Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you probably know that Athletic Brewing Company is my absolute favorite non-alcoholic beer. For me, finding an incredible non-alcoholic beer to drink around the fire pit or at a dinner was a game changer in sobriety. And I love Athletic so much that I became a brand ambassador so that I could share the love. You can save 20% with code KCD20 on your first order of Athletic at their website. Now, they are not sponsoring this ad, but I wanted to share this discount if you wanted to try it out. So my personal favorites are their Golden Upside Dawn and their Run Wild IPA, but I want to hear what your favorites are. Just go to Athletic brewing.com and enter the code KCD20 at checkout. That's C-A-S-E-Y-D-2-0 and you'll save 20% on your first order. Hi there. Today we are talking with Michelle Smith and why recovery is the new black. Michelle's on a mission to eradicate the mommy juice culture by normalizing sobriety in our boozy world. She's the founder of Recovery is the New Black, a digital community for moms living or exploring an alcohol-free life. Since getting sober in 2016, she's built an online community and delivered transformational keynotes to help moms take real action toward living a life they don't want to escape. You can find Michelle's work and super realistic philosophy on sobriety on popular media like the Today Show, Scary Mommy, TEDx, Washington Post, and more. So Michelle, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. And I just noticed that you quit drinking in 2016, and I did too. When did you stop? It was 11 24 16, the day before Thanksgiving that year. Oh, got it. Yeah, I stopped in February. So we're only like, you know, nine, 10 months apart, which is cool. Yes. Very nice. So you're here because I wanted to talk about 
I love the name recovery is the new black. And I really do feel like in the past couple of years, as you look at articles in popular media and Instagram, the whole sober curious movement or alcohol free movement is really growing. Absolutely. It really is. And it's really exciting for those of us who are in recovery or contemplating because it's really giving an opportunity and to spread the message even further than it was before. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, granted, I'm plugged into the culture, but as many stories as I see about the growth of pandemic drinking, women drinking, women with younger children drinking, I see an equal number of articles in the Wall Street Journal, in other really big outlets around the rise of the sober curious movement, how low alcohol is taking over the drinks industry, how non-alcohol wine market is ballooning, you know, all of those kinds of messages are out there too. Yep, they are, which again, the more conversations we can have around normalizing sobriety for alcohol-free living, the more the merrier, because when we have these conversations at restaurants and at bars, and we're asking for virgin drinks or zero proof or mocktails, however we want to say it, the more we are asking for it, there's a demand, they're listening to us. And so it's really cool that a lot of us are not only recovering out loud, but getting curious out loud and that collectively we're having these conversations that no amount of alcohol is good for you. So before, kind of like when we, Casey, were just kind of exploring sobriety, usually it was either you're an alcoholic or you're pregnant, like you needed to justify why you were not going to consume alcohol. And now I see such a shift that just for the health of it, mm-hmm. I, I don't the way my body feels. And I don't like how I show up in the world when I'm under the influence of this mind altering chemical. And so the more people that are normalizing that I say all the time, I'm a non drinker, non smoker and non meat eater. That's just who I am. Yeah. And I love the idea of treating the decision to not drink like you're a vegetarian in terms of when you go to dinner parties or barbecues or out I mean, if you were a vegetarian, typically you're one of the only ones coming to an event. Sometimes you bring your own food or your own version. You you don't necessarily expect your host to have the right uh, thing for you. So you bring your own. Um, you don't apologize for it. You're just like, this is a health choice I'm making. And everybody pretty much shrugs, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sobriety is no different. We should always plan for something to go wrong or to have our own supply with us because we can't bank on somebody else having that for us. It's a slippery slope if we do. So I it's like inclusivity is such a buzzword right now, right? So it's like inviting somebody like you said, a vegan or a vegetarian to a dinner party, but nobody but they can't eat once they get there. So having options and alternatives, but always remembering that you're responsible for your own sobriety and that we can put those in our backpack or in our car, which I do, because it's, you know, addiction sneaks up very quickly on us when we're least expecting it and in a vulnerable situation. And so fail the plan, plan to fail. 
Yeah. And I love that too. And, you know, when I think about bringing my own drinks and I, I totally do. I even went to a parent social event at my son's school with at someone's house. And I put in like three of my athletic brewing company NA beers, like just in my bag and was like whipping them out and putting them in their recycling. And they had non-alcoholic drinks. They just didn't have my favorite. Um, but I used to always like, so for example, had I gone to this exact same event back when I was drinking, I would probably have brought two bottles of wine as a quote unquote hostess gift. And if we're being honest, one of the reasons I would bring two is because I'd worry that they wouldn't have enough. Absolutely. Me too. Absolutely. And what a freeing feeling that is to not have to do that anymore and to be proud of our drinks and to put them out and not have to camouflage them. This is how we're showing up. This is me. This authentic me. Are, 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 you know, are we going to continue to have this party and conversation because it doesn't have to be weird? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the interesting things is if you're just starting on this path, it is not that you need to be out and proud and talk about it in social settings with people you don't know. I mean, this is a personal thing that you're doing for yourself. But I think one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation around recovery is the new black and it's being now seen as cool and something to be celebrated and something that's, you know, a little bit like a health choice and counterculture is because if you do make that choice, you're no longer alone. One of the stats that I was looking at was in 2022, 35% of American adults stopped drinking during dry January. That's up from 23% in 2019 and 21% in 2018. So 35% of American adults did dry January. You are no longer an outlier if you say you're not consuming alcohol as a health choice. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48, so if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Absolutely. That like gave me chills as you were saying that. Because so many people think that they're alone and that they're doing this in secret. 
look at those numbers. There is so many people that are doing this because they want to explore what it feels like to not ingest a mind altering chemical like this. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And when you do things like that, it's a great way to explore life without alcohol and how you feel. Um, one of the things I know, and, and Michelle, I know you've got a great Instagram presence is I looked up all the top sobriety Instagram hashtags to follow, and I will put them all in the show notes, but there are easily 150 hashtags. And I feel like when you stop drinking, it, you know, some people create a totally new sort of sober alcohol free Instagram account, or you can just sort of follow some of these hashtags. And what that will do is, again, normalize sobriety for you normalize that sober is the new black that it's cool that you're not alone. Because suddenly you'll start seeing the sort of universe of sober curious and sober and alcohol free people out there who are doing really interesting things. Absolutely. You know, it goes back to that motto of birds of a feather flock together. And so, you know, I used to go into restaurants and be new at sobriety. And I would say everybody was drinking except for me. And I had to challenge that and say, okay, Michelle, look at all the people who aren't drinking for whatever the reason is. So when you talk about Instagram, we get to control who we choose to follow. You want to feel better about ourselves after we leave somebody's page than we did before we got to their page. So doing an anonymous or a private Instagram and having it be dedicated to just your sober journey, you are going to meet people that you never would have met. And whatever relationship evolves, it's not because of alcohol. And you'll see that you are not alone. And just the hacks of recipes and podcasts like yours, there's so many cool things that we can learn and be educated by, by just dipping our toes into this world of sober curiosity. And it's absolutely amazing. The people, the experiences, never would have in a million years thought I would have seen half of this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I actually, I did a whole episode on sober celebrities just because I always think it's really cool. You know, everybody might have the perception that life without alcohol is dull and boring or something that no one would choose unless they quote unquote had to. And yet you see folks like Kelly Ripa and Drew Barrymore and Bradley Cooper and other people talking, John Mayer talking about the fact that they decided to stop drinking. Either it wasn't serving them anymore, or they realized that they were just going to sort of not reach their potential, only have half of their time and energy and creativity available for them. And that wasn't good enough. Absolutely. And I think that we look up to those people. So, I mean, Jessica Simpson, Christy Teigen, like all of them, if they're doing it and they get kudos and props, there's so many more people that follow suit because of that. So it's anybody stand up. You know, there was a Steven Tyler that was just on, he just went back into treatment because he had a relapse after a surgery. And I think that, you know, 
I'm proud of him for coming out in public and saying that and showing people that regardless of where you're at on this journey, we never fully have it down. And that it is kind of this evolving pattern of it's kind of like the stages of grief, you know, where it's like this, this is an addiction, it can be for some people. And it's always important to be tapped into our supports and our resources. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's an addictive substance. It's also a habit that's incredibly hard to break. So the reason I love that, you know, gray area drinking is becoming a term sober curious is becoming a movement is that one of the things you need to do as you're changing your habits is really alter not only your physical environment, but the social circle you surround yourself with to be exposed to people where the behavior you want to create is the one that's celebrated. And that's where even if people in your current life, sort of in real life, as we say, aren't on the sobriety path, because we tend to surround ourselves with drinkers, you can find that community and inspiration online. And you can look to celebrities and other people to read, you know, and understand that you are not alone and read Quitlid and listen to podcasts and all the good stuff. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I know a lot of us are worried about, oh, are we going to lose our friends? Well, if you're worried about losing a friend, are they really a friend? Right? And, you know, then there's that fear, but is that going to hold you back? I love like with the sober curiosity, how instead of saying, I'm going to wait for this bad thing to happen before I change my relationship with alcohol, it's not technically problematic. What I've noticed in dry January, dry July and other challenges is that if you don't label yourself or think of forever and you just keep a goal in mind, if you are unable to maintain or obtain that goal and you are breaking promises to yourself, that is information in itself about your relationship with alcohol and where it stands currently. That is powerful information. That's not shame. That's not judgment. That is you examining with information where you're at currently. And I think that there's, for me, there's nothing more powerful than us seeing that for ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's very true. So tell us a little bit about you and sort of your journey from drinking to recovery. Yeah. Um, So my drinking, of course, you know, got really, really bad when I had my second child and just really struggled with postpartum. I decided to leave corporate America thinking that that was just adding and compiling onto my stress, which I was using as a coping tool, alcohol, and of course, just taking the rough edges off a stressful day, detaching. What I noticed, Casey, is that it was never about the alcohol. It was never, I was giving all the credit to the alcohol, but I was detaching from the office. I was traveling across state lines, decompressing and processing the day. And I just always thought it was that first glass of wine that just made everything better. And the more that I just kept doing that same activity of daily living, essentially that habit created and manifested into that addiction where, you know, when people would say, oh, you know, you almost finished a bottle of wine on your own, you know, are you, are you having a problem? Instead of even addressing it, I just got the boxed wine so people couldn't measure it anymore. 
And then after that, you know, it was just hiding the bottles, gas station, cans of wine. And, you know, I had an intervention and I was really faced with the, the reality of I'm an adult orphan. I know what it's like to not have parents. And I am doing the same thing to my children. I'm eliminating myself from their life. And this is not fair. I, this problem is not just my problem. Everybody is affected by my decision. And it's so hard to explain to people when you pass that slippery slope into chemically dependent on alcohol, that that first drink will get you drunk. You know, you we hear these mottos of a thousand, you know, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And it almost felt like I was being taken hostage by myself. I would just literally end up at a supermarket or a liquor store fighting with myself. I didn't know how I even really got there. So I went to treatment and, you know, after treatment, I had to make some really hard decisions because when I got back, nothing changed in the sense of my same triggers, my environment, who was drinking around me. And that's where I started the social media of just being anonymous, being a fly on the wall and just saying, I know I can't be alone in this journey. I need to find my people. And the more I kept watching and getting inspired and reading books and listening to podcasts, I was still drinking, but I was learning too. And, you know, I always tell myself if I have a head full of sobriety, drinking is never going to be the same because now I know what it's doing to me, my body, my children. And that got harder and harder to drink when I knew the true reality that this was not serving me anymore. So the more I built this community, the more accountability I had. So I couldn't be as secretive as I wanted to before. And from there, it just manifested into a whole community of people that are everywhere from sober curious all the way to long-term recovery. And it's just blown up in the sense of what I'm capable of doing and what we all are capable of doing. There's so many gifts that we didn't even realize we had. And I look back and I'm like, you know, this was the hardest part of my life and I hate that it happened, but it all happened for a reason. And I'm never going to take that for granted. I am just inspired by everybody that we can do this and we can do this out loud and proud and really kind of like almost like, I don't know the right word of just like motivating these individuals who are curious that they don't have to wait for a rock bottom. They don't have to wait until it's bad enough in order to just know that it's not serving you. Let's take a look at it earlier. And so that's, that's a little bit about me and kind of where I, where I came from and where I'm at right now. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. When I decided to stop drinking, therapy was a big part of my sober toolbox. It wasn't just about saying no to opening a bottle of wine. Once I stopped drinking, I had to deal with everything in my life that alcohol helped me push down. And with my therapist, I was able to better understand how my relationships with my husband and kids, my bosses and friends needed to shift to support my sobriety. If you're thinking of starting therapy as part of your journey, BetterHelp is the way to go. 
It's all online. It's convenient and flexible. It's tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. Therapy can help you become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash someday and score 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the fact that it's becoming so much more common that more people are doing dry July, that more articles are in various publications about the sober curious movement. What that helps is like you said, just normalizing sobriety, just making it. If you say I'm taking a break from alcohol, people are more likely to just say, Oh, that's cool. Versus, you know, in the back of their minds or my mind back in the day, if you didn't drink in my mind, you were like pregnant, an alcoholic. Or since I was a big drinker, I'm like, wow, you're kind of lame. Like those were the three categories. I didn't know anyone who didn't drink or used to love it and stopped. And now I feel like it's so much more common for people to take short breaks, longer breaks from drinking, even if you're not in the sober world. But the more that even the people around you are familiar with the concept that like, by the way, alcohol isn't healthy and you can decide not to drink in the same way that some people decide not to eat gluten or whatever. Um, I think that's great. It actually kind of cracks me up, obviously, unless you're celiac, that people are like, well, I'm cutting gluten out of my diet because it's not very healthy. And I'm like, dude, you're drinking a bottle of wine at night. Like, Come on, let's like deal with the main issue first. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And that's that's the fun thing about it is that, you know, there we're opening up those doors to it's the third most preventative cause of death here in the United States. That is facts. That is saying that I don't want to die. I don't want this causes cancer. The American Cancer Association just added the alcohol. Finally, that it does. Yeah. And it's like, this is exactly why I don't, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pass, but I really appreciate the offer because, you know, if your mom or anybody that you know had breast cancer, I don't, I'm already at a high risk situation. Why am I going to put myself into an even higher bracket when I know that this, this leads, this is, this leads to cancer. So my decision, right? And I think so many, so much of this is just about the, the crowds that you go in and that you hang out with because a true friend isn't going to care. I have a friend who has celiac disease and she does can't eat any gluten. And it's like, she doesn't care if people like her or don't like her. Like, and this is life and death for her. And people shouldn't care about what, what I'm drinking and what so-and-so's drinking because it doesn't matter. Right. And I used to think more for me if somebody's not drinking it. Oh, does it really matter why? No, it's garbage. It's not good for you, but more for me. So the compassion and just being kind and 
let people do whatever they want to eliminate some of that pressure because we put enough on ourselves by trying to get this thing out of our everyday activity. Mm-hmm. And so question for you, you mentioned that you, you know, had an intervention, you went into treatment. Was that a 12-step program model? And then you got out and did you start drinking again just when during the time you were in blogging, Instagram, whatever? No. Okay. No. So you I were days and then I relapsed after treatment. Okay. So having seen both the 12 step model and the sort of Instagram growth community, I'm sure you learned things from both, but what are the differences you found sort of? What what did you learn from each? What was helpful? What was unhelpful? Yeah. Being in the position I was towards when I decided to go sober, I I wanted to have all those. I have to wait for this experience to happen, right? I have to wait for rock bottom. My my relationship's not that bad. And so for me, the 12 steps was extremely helpful because it did get to the point of where it was do or die for me. When I first initially went in before it got quote unquote too bad. I was terrified. I'm not like them. I don't have that big of a problem. And so it kind of like frightened me where I didn't want to go back because I didn't feel like I fit in. So I did just that, kept drinking and realized that I am powerless over this drink because I've waited so long. I am chemically addicted to this. And I was convinced that would never happen. So for me to be able to work a program where I knew how to create a new habit and a new routine every single day. And if I showed up, that was at least 16 minutes where I wasn't going to drink. So that was helpful because I, I then shifted my mindset to believe that I have more similarities, but I'm just looking at the differences. And me being a newbie is helping the, the old timers because they don't, they're constantly reminded of what they're going to be like and what's going to happen if they relapse. And I can be motivated and inspired by my elders, right? And so that part was really helpful in the sense of the structure, the community. It's free. Everybody can walk in those doors. If you just come out of treatment, rehab, jail, you're homeless or houseless, that is a gift in itself. So those are the the benefits I felt to the 12 steps. Now in this kind of cyber world and Instagram world that we're in with social media, I think it's amazing because it is capturing all of the people who aren't chemically dependent on alcohol. So it's that curious movement of, oh, wow, this is actually fun. I don't, I don't have to wait until bad things happen. I'm starting to notice the heartburn and I don't get REM sleep and I'm wasting money on silly things. And it shows other people that they're not necessarily alcoholics either. And that this is becoming a, a thing. And I love how we get to talk openly about it and share tips and tricks and recipes. And it's not such a secret, right? So that we know that it's been exposed and that we can have these conversations with anybody, even if they live across the entire world. That's pretty amazing. So I think both of them have really good gifts and good parts. And it's like that patch way to recovery, do what what works for you and leave the rest. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And I think that one of the benefits 
to the online world is that there isn't, you know, I, I, um, attended Alcoholics Anonymous for about four months. The first time I tried to stop drinking, um, nine years ago and it didn't end up being my path. I ended up working with a sober coach and joining, you know, an online course and the online communities that just felt more aligned with my worldview and, and approach to things. But I also think some of the new ways are helpful in making it more cool, more accessible, less of a stigma because people aren't being anonymous. And that therefore there is more of a awareness that way more people are questioning their relationship with alcohol or deciding to be alcohol free or are sober curious than you probably would ever know about if they were only, if 12 steps was the only option. Right. Absolutely. And us being busy moms, having the availability where we get to look, it's pretty much looking at objections, right? What's in the person's way of getting the support and help that they need? Well, you don't have to find a babysitter. You don't have to commute traffic, right? It's virtual. If you're not ready to talk to anybody and be in person yet, you can download some of these programs and do them lesson by lesson when you have little pockets of time or when your kiddos go to bed where it's self-paced. So it's teaching you tools and etiquette and information and knowledge that is different than driving to a 12-step where it's processed, no crosstalk, right? So it, it definitely, those are the differences. And I know for me, when I first was exploring sobriety, I would have loved to have something at home to be able to listen to somebody and to work through a workbook or an ebook. It would, I would have devoured all of that information. And I know people are. Yeah. I mean, that was helpful for me too, because I know when I did go for about four months, nine years ago, there were two times I would go. I mean, one, I would, when I was working, I would have to ask my husband, Hey, I'm going to go to this meeting for an hour. And that was both awkward in the quote unquote asking, but I had a five-year-old son at the time. So he was like, and driving there and back, he's like, so are you going to be gone for an hour and a half, like three or four times a week? Like that's kind of a lot. He also didn't think I was that bad. He thought I was being a little dramatic by stopping. I mean, this was just, he didn't get it. He was like, I just want you to cut back, you know, like just don't drink every day, you know, as if like I hadn't tried that many, many times before. The second time I stopped drinking, you know, I was working full time with an eight year old and a two year old. But I, like you said, I, I had a sober coach. I enrolled in a course. So I was listening to sobriety support messages when it fit in my schedule. So on the drive to my morning workout, on the drive home, on a walk during my lunchtime at work, in the evening when I was rocking my daughter to sleep. Those were the times when I was tapping into that. And with the online community Facebook group support, I was posting and getting feedback like when I was at the bar for a happy hour with my work colleagues from the bathroom, I'd be like, yikes, I'm going in and then take a break to go to the restroom and see all these amazing messages of support and tips and tricks popping up. Me too. I did this exact same thing. It's so many of us do that. And there's nothing like having our phones in our back pocket to utilize because 
we have that community of people that are just going to root for us for every little small victory. Because for a lot of us, we would have stopped if we could have, right? It's like have moderation. We would love to do that. My husband said the same thing to me. I wish that I could just have one every so often too. Unfortunately, I am unable to do that after multiple years of attempts. Yes. Yes. I just finally figured out that it was easier and I was happier and thought about drinking so much less if I finally got away from it rather than constantly trying to limit, moderate, decide when, decide not, debate, all that kind of crap. It just took up so much of my headspace and heart space and everything else. It's exhausting is what it is. Yeah, it is absolutely overwhelming and exhausting. So when we get to put the stuff in our head of sobriety and motivation, like you were just talking about during little pockets of time, are the noise in our head, it's like that devil and angel, I always say, it's like, you want to quiet the noise. But you don't want to drink. But you know, if you drink, you're going to quiet the noise. So if you take it off the table, it's a non-negotiable today or for the rest of my life, I cannot pick up. And eventually, the the, addic- the addiction or just the thoughts and the noise do, they decrease, right? The level of the volume oh, yeah. does come down. But it takes a while. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I occasionally, you know, one of the things I love about the sober curiosity movement and dry January and all those things is it's less black and white. I mean, back in the day, it really did feel like if you stopped drinking when you used to be a drinker, people automatically assumed that you had, quote unquote, a problem with alcohol or whatever it was which may or may not be true. But at the same time, you know, that's what stops a lot of people from experiencing how good alcohol free life can be the idea that nobody stops unless they have a quote unquote, real problem. Or if I stop, I'll be I'll feel stigmatized or or people will judge me. And you know, I just remember at work, um, talking to one of my colleagues who I've never played Bunko, but do you know what Bunko is? People play that and drink a lot. And she had gone to some Bunko party and was super hungover the next day. And then the day after she says to me, you know, we were talking about the fact that I don't drink anymore. And she was like, well, you chose not to drink. You didn't have to stop. I mean, you didn't have a problem with alcohol. Or maybe she asked me, do you have a problem? Did you? No, it was present tense. Do you have a problem with alcohol? And I was like, yeah, I haven't had a drink in three, four years. I have zero problem with alcohol. Like you were hungover yesterday, right? And it just, it kind of cracks me up the idea that if you don't drink, it's sort of antiquated that people assume that you have a problem with alcohol. I feel like that's shifting. I think it is. I I really believe that it is. And I think that people that's their stuff, right? That's their weight and inventory and judgment that they have to handle. I've tried to like bless and release some of that because it's a heavy load, right? They're probably modeling something just as much and are wondering why and how I'm doing this. Use it as inspiration. There's room for all of us to get sober. There is no competition, right? Collaborations, the best way and there's enough to go around for everybody. 
Um, but I think a lot of people put up guards, you know, and just get really super defensive. Cause even if you're just a long drinker and you just don't rub it in your face, you know, it's just like, I'm pro sobriety. It doesn't mean that I'm anti-drinking just because I'm proud to say that I am fighting every day for something that's trying to destroy me, essentially kill me. And I have to have that confidence and that, you know, ability to really say it out loud, because if I don't, I know what happens. So don't think that I'm shaming you because you are. I'm just proud of myself because I'm not. And I think we work to do in that area but the more people that just stand up and say hey I'm a non-drinker yeah yeah well and I think that we've come a huge way I mean there are so many alcohol-free events that are really interesting and cool they're you know the non-alcoholic bars or the sober bars sands bar was doing a tour of the whole country having a pop bar pop-up NA bar in Seattle there are daybreaker events, which are sort of morning alcohol-free dance parties, which are super cool. Um, I'm a, an ambassador for Athletic Brewing Company. They are now bringing their beer to the end of Ironman and marathons and 5Ks and 10Ks because it's so crazy that people serve actual alcohol after that because it's so bad for your your recovery of your muscles and and your um you know just ability to compete at a high level and you and I both were at the she recovers Miami event which is a super cool event for people who are in recovery um just 500 women silent dance party, incredible speakers, lounging by the pool. I mean, what was your experience there like? Hi there. If you're listening to this episode and have been trying to take a break from drinking, but keep starting and stopping and starting again, I want to invite you to take a look at my on-demand coaching course, the Sobriety Starter Kit. The Sobriety Starter Kit is an online self-study sober coaching course that will help you quit drinking and build a life you love without alcohol, without white knuckling it or hating the process. The course includes the exact step-by-step coaching framework I work through with my private coaching clients, but at a much more affordable price than one-on-one coaching. And the Sobriety Starter Kit is ready, waiting, and available to support you anytime you need it. And when it fits into your schedule, you don't need to work your life around group meetings or classes at a specific day or time. This course is not a 30 day challenge or a one day at a time approach. Instead, it's a step-by-step formula for changing your relationship with alcohol. The course will help you turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst case scenario to the best decision of your life. You will sleep better and have more energy. You'll look better and feel better. You'll have more patience and less anxiety. And with my approach, you won't feel deprived or isolated in the process. So if you're interested in learning more about all the details, please go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com 
You can start at any time and I would love to see you in the course. It was amazing. It was like getting to hug and squeeze these women that I never would have met if I wouldn't have gotten on this, the silly apps of social media. And so to build those bonds with them and the most vulnerable time in our life to really authentically get to know these human beings without the masks, and then to be able to actually meet them and spend the weekend with them. It was amazing. It was, it was priceless. It was just like, I never dreamed that I would ever meet half of those women. And because I took variety and because of She Recovers, that was, these are lifelong friendships that I know we're going to have forever. And the beauty is it does, it's not focused around alcohol. There's substance to our relationship. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was very cool. I got to meet lots and lots of people who I've interviewed on the podcast, which was very cool for me because I feel like we, you know, we talk, we become friends. I know a lot about you and we've never met in person. I got to meet women who have all chosen to be alcohol free, but through many, many different paths. Um, you know, I got to meet, uh, you know, people who do the luckiest club and then a seven of my coaching clients who I'd never met in person who live all over the United States. So that was incredibly cool. And I got to meet women from the sober mom squad. And there was a huge group of them there. And they were really cool and really nice. And I've, you know, been hanging out with a few of them back here in Seattle. Yes, there, there is a lot of us in Washington State. Yeah, yeah it was they represented sober mom squad definitely represented it was it was fantastic to see you're right. And it's like, I forgot I had some clients there too. And it's like, wow, you never would have imagined it's, it's pretty, pretty magical, really. Yeah. Well, so tell us about sober mom squad and how that came about. Because I know that you were one of the women who sort of raised your hand and volunteered right at the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah, Emily is the founder and really just put up this question on Instagram, which was, you know, how can we be of service? Because a lot of people are really struggling and we're just like, we're barely hanging on. And some of us are in long-term recovery, that this is just really hard that we're on lockdown and homeschooling. So um, the five of us got together and just started, you know, a small free group that was just moms need a place to dump their thoughts, to process, to feel and know that they're not alone. So topics from parenting to marriage, to motherhood, to sobriety, grief and loss. And it really just blew up. There was thousands of women who were like, me too, me too. And it just, now we have 25 meet, meetups virtually every single week, trying to cover all zones, all witching hours. We have group coaching and webinars that come through. We've got an awesome app for people who don't want to be on social media. It's incredible because we have this. I think moms are just like this population is the hardest season, at least me personally, that I've ever been in. And big alcohol does a really good job of marketing and preying on women that are the most vulnerable in their time of learning how to navigate this world 
with, you know, either going back to work or not having postpartum depression, transitioning into a role that we're responsible for these tiny humans that don't come with an instruction manual. It's really hard. But you know what, life's really hard, but drinking helps and it can take away all your problems for a while until it compounds into more problems than we ever dreamed of. So we're doing really good of just all women and moms just using and utilizing our strengths and our support to cheer each other on than to tear each other down. Yeah. And I've actually found more support in the sober community of women, the alcohol-free community of women, just in terms of honesty and understanding and suggestions and being there for me. Then I found sometimes in my friends who I'd been close to for 15, 20 years, because, you know, when you decide to give up your, your main coping tool, which for me was wine, um, you need other people who get it and who can empathize with you, who you can be honest with about how you're struggling and to give you suggestions and hold your hand to get through it. And even my friends from high school and college in my early 20s, if they don't struggle with alcohol at all, or if they're not ready to stop drinking or they're not at that point, they can't quite understand all of our triggers and struggles and, you know, how we feel. Absolutely. That's why it's so important for us to share with our community or our tribe when we have these small little victories, because they're massive to us and they're not going to mean a whole lot to people who don't know how hard this journey can be. So it's like us cheer and root for you because you deserve praise and kudos for putting a boundary up or, you know, not going to this event because it was going to have alcohol, whatever the reason is, we get it. It's really that hard. And we're really that proud of you. So yeah, there's relationships like me that you were just mentioning from high school and grade school, college. I've known them and their families for so long, but I don't know as much about them as I do with my sober sisters, because it's just like, vulnerable. They know everything about us, right? It's just like we pour everything into this community. And some of my friends from decades ago, don't even know information that I've shared. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have some, some people from high school or college or my work world, who are like, Oh, I've listened to your podcast or this interview. And I'm like, All right, you know, all my shit. That's cool. Um, but usually if they're reaching out and telling me it's cause they think it's cool or something resonated with them or, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, I think vulnerability does attract people, the right people and allows them to be vulnerable with you, which actually establishes closer bonds. Agreed. Absolutely. So what are some of the most exciting things you see in sort of recovery becoming cool, becoming more mainstream? You know, what do you really like? I am loving the fact that restaurants and bars are catching on to the requests for zero proof options. They're popping up actually on the menus now which I think is amazing. And it's not just a Shirley Temple and root beer and a box of milk. They're like actually delicious crafted 
mocktails or mocktails without the liquor in them and they're carrying zero proof beers. That is huge that people are going to have, they can go out and feel special to have a nice fancy drink that isn't going to jeopardize their sobriety. And whether they pretend like I did that it was a regular cocktail, it felt safe to me to be able to feel kind of camouflaged in. And I think that that is an important tool for people if that works early in sobriety. And until I was confident enough to not care, it got me through. So it served a purpose. And that is one of the biggest things I see in the sober community um, that really excites me is that more people are willing to talk about their, it's just not serving them and the options becoming available. Yeah. I mean, the non-alcoholics were zero proof beer, wine, cocktail, you know, spirits market is really exploding. I mean, the alcohol manufacturers, or I kind of like it better if they are just non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits manufacturers are completely taking notice because it is actually one of the only areas of market growth within the sector. And so that leads to so much more innovation and so much more choice and availability for us. I saw, um, you know, I, my favorites are, you know, athletic brewing company and a beer groovy, um, and partake. Those happen to be my favorites, but I loved seeing that Heineken was advertising at 0.0 NA beer at the Super Bowl. And one of my friends just texted me that Guinness's 0.0 stout just became available in the US. So there's something for everybody. Absolutely. And I love that the marketing, it's slow, but the football, you know, the NFL had that during halftime. I don't know if people caught on to the Olympics commercial that was on about sobriety. We've had Google, you know, light up their corporate headquarters, Purple on Recovery Month. They put a 24-hour chip in their commercials. It's getting in there in different ways and getting the support and attention that it needs because it should be celebrated for people who were making really hard decisions. Um, and I think like we talked about at the very beginning, like if somebody stands up of a, you know, a celebrity or an influencer, it's much more received. So it's like, oh, wow, if Google's doing this and the NFL's doing this, this is kind of cool, right? So it's going to have more attention and more focus. I don't care who it is that came up with the idea. I just want light shined on the fact that it's okay to be a sober person and oh, yeah. have options. And just having the conversation, I mean, I remember when I saw Jennifer Garner and her good friend Judy Greer did an Instagram live talking about, you know, at what point do we worry about our alcohol consumption during the pandemic? Just opening up that conversation was amazing and got a lot of people talking. Um, and like I said, even Kelly Ripa and Drew Barrymore saying she hasn't had a drink in two and a half years. Um, Jane Fonda just announced that she stopped drinking a while ago. And her uh, show, um, Grace and Frankie or Frankie and Grace, like is so boozy. It drives me crazy. I mean, they are like 80 year old women who are constantly 
throwing back the cocktails. And then Jane Fonda, who's one of the actresses in there, said, you know, I just don't have that many years left. And I wanted to, you know, decided I didn't want to live them at half mast. Mm, that is good. That is amazing. Yeah. Even Fuller ha- or Full House, the Joey, David. Yeah. He too. I mean, there's so many. And John Stamus. That- I mean, there are more celebrities and famous people and musicians who have chosen not to drink than you can even imagine. I absolutely love I'm I'm a little addicted right now to the podcast Smartless. Do you know that one? Oh my god, it's so good. So it's Jason Bateman and Will Arnett who are together on Arrested Development, and I'm a big Jason Bateman fan from way back in the day, and Sean Hayes, who was just Jack on Will and Grace. And every week they bring on a celebrity guest. One of them chooses it. And they just chat with them. So they've had John Hamm and Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox and um, tons of other ones, Dax Shepard and a whole ton. But Jason Bateman and Will Arnett are sober. Um, and so I love that podcast. It's just the perfect combination of smart conversation and celebrity gossip that appeals to me. But there's also Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. So just these really cool things that can tap you can tap into that are non-recovery focused, but also recovery oriented, if that makes sense. 100%. And just slipping it in there organically is is people are taking note and it's planting seeds. Oh, I remember that person doesn't do this. This person doesn't do that. Well, the fact that we thought everybody drank it's not true, right? It's something that we tell ourselves to continue on with our drinking, but challenge by looking up. I, I don't know if you did this, Casey, but like when I first decided to get sober, I was like, okay, sober celebrities, let's look up and see who is because I think I'm the only one. And so by challenging yourself in that way, don't use those big words like everybody. I'm never, you know, all that where it's like, nope, there's tons of people who don't drink and I'm going to show you through Google just that. <laughs> yeah. I used to, my girlfriends and I used to like text each other pictures when we were just like as a funny way of hot sober guys who don't drink. So there are a shocking number. Like they would just text me a picture of Rob Lowe or, you know, Jason Bateman. Like I said, I'm a fan or, you know, Robert Downey Jr. or shirtless Bradley Cooper. I mean, that can, that can really improve your mood on a hard day. Oh, yeah. You got me at Bradley Cooper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, so tell me what you're working on these days. Oh, geez. I have a lot up my sleeve right now. I purchased property. I would love to, my goal is to build an inpatient treatment program for women to be able to bring their kids. That is really near and dear to my heart. I am just finishing up a second book that I'm working on. One of them will be out on the 27th of December, which is super cool. And I just got word it's going to be in Target, which I literally had my moment of bawling because for three years, I've been going to Target, taking pictures of myself in the book section, manifesting one day this is going to happen. There will be something sobriety inside of Target. So that is huge from a girl who just literally was a drunk in her closet, suicidal, um, not wanting to be here. So it's amazing to come so far in this amount of years to see that if I just keep going, the miracle will happen. 
And so those two books are in the works. I am, I'm actually just redesigning my website now, trying to get some new content up. Um, and I am partnering with another sober woman, mom in the community to really work on addiction awareness in the workplace. So bridging the gap between employees and their companies and creating more conversations and educational trainings around workplace wellness, because Mm -hmm. it's a buzzword that's gone on for quite some time. And a lot of employers offer flex spending and Hey, if you go see a dietitian and you know, get your BMI or go meet with a mental health practitioner, then we're going to give you a treadmill or something. So a lot of organizations are adding underneath the umbrella of workplace wellness, they're adding in the addiction module, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, And so that is a project that is going to um, become pretty big here pretty soon. So education of awareness, any opportunity I get, I'm going to educate people about addiction and they can make their own decisions. That's As you know, we cool. Yeah, no, I think that's huge. And I was just talking with Lisa Smith, who wrote Girl Walks Out of a Bar and is um, a co-host of the podcast Recovery Rocks. And she does a lot of work in that corporate space, specifically for lawyers and law firms around education around addiction. Yes, she she is amazing. And she has honed in on the same professionals that she works with, and right? Because she's a lawyer and speaking to those people, high burnout, right? High risk. Often, we don't want to talk about the doctors and lawyers and pilots that also struggle with substance use because we have them on these pedestals that they they couldn't possibly, right? Um, and that's not that's not the truth. And they need help and treatment and support just like everybody else does. Yeah. And again, it is the worry about the stigma, the career backlash, what people will think that is preventing them from getting help for what they're working for. And the the more that we can, you know, normalize that this is an addictive substance that, you know, with enough exposure, you're going to go down the road of becoming addicted to the easier it will be for folks to get support and move on with their lives in a healthy way. Exactly. And that's exactly why I didn't get help is I was like, you know, I teach this stuff. This isn't supposed to happen to me. I'm embarrassed. I can't show face. So just continued on and it just got worse and worse and worse and get people the support resources and help they need and move on with your life. Yeah. You know, that's what we need to know is we need to embrace people from wherever they're at. If you, if you're ready, there's, there's options available to you and you're not going to be shamed for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you are in that place, I mean, podcasts are a fabulous place to start because obviously it's anonymous. You can tap into it on your own. I mean, I think it is incredibly normal to have the fear that if you talk about the fact you're struggling with alcohol, um, you don't want anyone to know about that. And what I wouldn't, you know, I actually work with a bunch of doctors and nurses and social workers and even judges who are like, I, I don't want to go to a 12 step meeting or even moms in a small town. So 
there are a ton of options out there. I mean, you can do private one-on-one coaching. You can create a anonymous Instagram account. You can join some of these private groups, which I love where if you are there for support, you know, everyone else there is there for, for that too. And you can always create an anonymous account if that is what's holding you back. So um, if you are fearful or hesitant about reaching out in some ways for support, just know there are other ways that you can get it. Absolutely. And you know, not everybody feels comfortable going to their doctor right away. I know that was my biggest fear was I didn't want my chart flagged. And going to the hospital, it ended up eventually getting documented that I was in for alcohol protocols. So it's like, you know, but there are a lot of options through the medical model too. There's therapists and there's IOP and outpatient and residential treatment and anti-craving medication. And it's important to like mention that a lot of that, it's like the substances. So alcohol is, is simply the coping tool, right? You're, you're coping, you're using it because something else underneath the surface is bothering you, right? You're worried, you're grieving, you're, you're trying to heal, you're avoiding but what is it? And for me, it was the depression and the postpartum. So an antidepressant along with therapy, yoga, Instagram, like it can be a holistic approach that isn't going to make sense to somebody else. And that's okay. But what for you, you need to know what your options are, and at least give it a shot before you say, Oh, this isn't for me, right? Um, so much out there. We don't have to Google anymore. Am I an alcoholic to know what steps next to take? Because people who don't have a problem with alcohol don't wonder if they have a problem with alcohol and Google themselves. So you have the information you need at that point. And I feel like there's so much out there now. If you find one source of support and if you are listening to this podcast, you know, this is a great one, but it's like pulling a thread where suddenly you learn about this thing and that thing and join this and meet people. And, you know, it's like this divine breadcrumbs that just lead you to whatever it is that's going to attract you and make life without alcohol feel good, which is what it should feel like, not a punishment, but a sort of transformational, cool, exciting, you know, new phase of our lives. We're allowed to change and evolve in a positive way. Absolutely. I always tell everybody, I'm not going to tell you to stop drinking. What I want to do is encourage you and inspire you and support you in living a life that you love so much that you don't want to drink anymore. That's the goal, right? And through this process, through this journey with other people and the tools and resources that are available, we can get there, right? You can imagine it at the beginning, not doing anything with a concert and camping without alcohol, but you don't have the tools, the support, the confidence, and the friendship to even imagine that to be remotely fun or possible for you. So we all have to back up and go day by day and just start saying, hey, I'm going to see if I can go the weekend without drinking. I'm going to take some inventory on how many days I do drink. Are there any patterns to my drinking? I know ladies that I've worked with every other Friday's payday. And that was a trigger. They didn't even put put it together. There was another lady that her um, ex-husband had the kids. So she would isolate and struggle and drink more because she didn't have her children. So 
So there's always patterns and information. Like you said, breadcrumbs. If we reverse engineer and figure out why we're doing what we're doing and we can fill it with more productive, healthy ways of coping, it's that's just what starts it off, right? Yeah. yeah. We have this awareness that we can't unknow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so what are your upcoming books about? So one of them is a sobriety workbook and journal. So being able to document and the importance of taking inventory and documenting your journey as a tool and a reflection through the process and in hindsight of the process. So that is the journal, Living Sober, Living Free. So it's a guided journal for women who want to explore alcohol-free living. And the second one that's coming out this year is an entrepreneurial book. So it's multi-authored, um, talking about how we went all in on whatever it is that we are working on. So I'm going to talk about going all in and advocating for the recovery community and what that looks like. And then I'll have my memoir come out in 2023. Wow, that's super exciting. You've got a lot (laughs) in the works. Yes, yes. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff behind the scenes, but all good things to hopefully... I'm doing a lot of keynote speaking too, so a lot of awareness um, inside the workplace, inside of treatment programs, um, and just educating people to make their own decision. But... These are hard conversations to have, but I think that they're really important conversations to have. That's why I'm here. That's great. Have those conversations. <laughs> Very cool. And where can people find you? I my website is Recovery is the New Black. They can find me on Instagram, and I have a Facebook private community as well as a business page there, which is Recovery is the New Black. Okay, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I've loved this conversation. Thank you, Casey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.